If you have your Bibles with you, I invite you to turn it to 1 John, and we'll be looking at chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. 1 John, chapter 3, verses 10 to 18. This is the word of the Lord. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deed were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the word world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he his life, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's good and sees his brothers in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love word or talk, but in deed and in truth. And this is the word of the Lord. Let us pray and let's commit this time to the Lord. Our Father in heaven, we give thanks to you for every Sunday that we can come and worship you. And Lord, you are worthy of all of our praise and glory. And thousands upon thousands and myriads upon myriads gather around your throne to worship you, singing, worthy is the lamb who was slain, and to receive glory and honor and power and dominion and all majesty. And thank you that we can gather as your people, and this is a glimpse of, of what, we can, what we will be doing when we join, and join you in the heavens. And Lord, I pray during this time that you would fill us with your spirit and give us ears to hear, Give us eyes to see, give us a heart to understand so that we would not only hear your word, but that we may also do it and be blessed in the doing of it. And Lord, I pray that for myself that you would grant clarity and grant power, not in myself, but only by the power of your spirit. And we commit this hour into your hands in Jesus' name. Amen. Every four years, like thousands of athletes compete in the, in the highly anticipated Olympic Games. And an ancient sporting event that spans centuries and draws audience from around the world. But however, with some sporting events, they only last minutes in length. And, but, but although these things are only seen for a moment, Audience don't see the training, the sweat, the injuries, and the hardships these athletes endure to compete, or let alone to try to qualify for these games. 
and we don't have to be in the Olympic to know these things. Some of you who may be in, in sports, or some of you who have maybe attended some event or some competition where if you don't make it, or whether, will you be, whether you'll be cut for the team. What distinguishes one who is cut for the team and versus one who does not? If we take, the, take true athletes, they exhibit qualities of practicing, growing, and persevering. And not only they demonstrate their skills, but also the hard work that comes behind it. But for those who may not cut for the team, they may imagine or profess themselves to be good of athletes, but the grind that the practices and games will show their unwillingness to grow or to persevere. And just as there are clear marks or qualities um, for those who make it and for those who don't, like true Christians are those who bear certain marks as well. Not saying that we earn our salvation, but there are certain marks that show that they are truly saved. And the letter of 1 John is a simple yet profound book where the Apostle John seeks to not try to cut people out for the sake of pushing them away, but he's trying to reassure believers that they do bear the marks of being children of God, or, or in short, being genuine followers of Christ. Some of these marks include confessing Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, or con continually confessing him as a Christ. Others, another mark is a righteous life, just as we have heard in the, an earlier passage that Pastor Muller read, that whoever practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. But another mark is love for one another. And in this passage that we, are, will, be looking, we will be looking at, John speaks of love being the mark of a child of God. How is love a true mark of a child of God? And how do we assure ourselves that and test ourselves that this is so. And I want to give you three points how, from this passage, how we can see that. One, the first point we see in verses 10 to 12 is that love comes from God. And the second point from verses 13 to 15 is that love is hated by the world, or those who love are hated by the world. And then last but not least, in verses 16 to 18, love is demonstrated by Christ. So let's look at the first part, the first point, love is from God. Verses 10 to 12 introduces John's purpose to distinguish who are the children of the devil and who are the children of God. He says that those who practice righteousness, those who love one another, are true, child, are true children of God. It is a holy love where one loves the Lord with all their heart, soul, and strength and mind and seeks to live in accordance to his words. And those who love one another, or as Jesus says, the greatest commandment or the second greatest commandment, to love your neighbor as yourself. Those of the evil one do not love one another. Neither do they seek to practice to live a righteous life. When we say a son is like his father or mother, it is not only in the appearance, but it is also in their speech, in their actions, in their attitude. 
verse 11 to 12, it expands on this, by, on this distinction by explaining how can we distinguish these two. In verse 11, we see that love comes from God when John writes, because this is the message that we have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Just as heat comes from the sun that generates it, so does the command to love one another comes from the one who is love. As John says in chapter 4, that love is from God, and whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. But on the other hand, in, in verse 12, it says, we, we see that hate comes from the evil one. Cain, he is the epitome of one who comes from the evil one. And his murderous act is traced out fully in Genesis 4. When comparing to Abel's righteous deeds, Cain was unrighteous throughout, not only just in his act, but in his heart as well. And the Genesis story unfolds the darkness of his heart in a very vivid way, which began with the Lord rejecting his offering because it wasn't offered rightly. And also, it follows with his angry response, which God tried to warn him about, that sin is crouching at his doorsteps, and it's ready to pounce on you, but he must overrule it. But also, tragically, we see that Cain chooses to give in to his anger and murder his brother Abel, his own brother. And then we see that Cain was, was expelled and, and sent away. But in, the, in a similar vein that Jude pronounces woe to those who walk in the ways of Cain and harshly calls them unreasoning animals, understanding instinctively. And if he describes sin in this way, like, like John represents Cain as an example of those who are not God's children. His heart and his action like, does not reflect God's own heart. And one pithily says that Cain is the antithesis of love. But some of you may ask, but, but, but there are some non-Christians, those who do not believe in God, who seem to live a moral and loving, lo loving life. Like, they do show concern for other people. They do live an upright, in God, upright life, yet they don't believe in God. How is this possible? I remember during, during my, my undergrad studies that a fellow classmate whom I had the opportunity to share the gospel with, she was very kind and she was like upright. And to explain that she was a sinner, like I was, that was quite nerve-wracking because how could I tell someone who was like very loving and who was like acting like what a Christian should look like that she was a sinner? And that may be some of you as well. Like that may that some of us may have been going to church for a long time and that, and that we may not have believed in Christ and yet our behaviors outwardly are like, we, like we, we are respected by, with our, by our, how we live. I remember one of this past, um, during Thanksgiving or during October, one of my, uh, there was a, 
there was a brother who was in grade, I think he was in grade, he was in grade eight or grade nine or just entering high school when he was giving his testimony. He thought that, like, that sinners were only those who did really bad things. <laughs> but the thing that he did not, that he was convicted about was that he did not know that when he compared himself to God, he was a sinner. Like, and not only by the way he acted, but it was about the heart as well. And I think this is something that, that we have to come to grips with, that we were not born as, as saints, but we were born as sinners first. Like, ever since the fall, our DNA has been affected by sin. And we have the of seed of, we have the seed like Cain, which can fester in our hearts when we were not believers. Our sinful passions are the root of all manners of unrighteousness. And we did not naturally want to please the Lord. And I think over time, my friend, like, it, it became a little clearer as I saw like, her pattern of her life that, that that was the case, that although she lived in a very like, clean, very moral life, that, but, but as I like, listened to her talk a little bit more, it was like her, like, her attitude as, did not fully reflect like, her, her behavior. And... I want to say that unless you know that, that you are a sinner, you and I, that, that Christ will not benefit you. Unless we do not know that we are like sinners before the Lord, Christ will not be of any benefit to us. But if you know that, that you had sinned, not only in your deeds, but also in our hearts, and when we confess that that Jesus Christ is the only savior of our sins, then you will be saved. And you'll not only have a, you'll, you'll not only have a change in your behavior, but also a change in the heart, which is something that, that Cain needed, but not only him, but all of us need. And to confess that Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior implies that we, we acknowledge that we are sinners. Only then will we truly know the love of God and that a righteous life is rooted in knowing the love of God. Your righteousness apart from Christ is like, it's like a pine cone that is glued onto a, a tree. And it does not naturally grow, but, but if we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, our Savior, as Lord and Savior as we walk in the light, then we will naturally produce fruits of righteousness, fruits of love for one another. But for those of us who do believe, we know that sometimes that's not often the case, that we don't consistently live it out. But how can we know that we are going to follow John's command to love one another? And one way you can do that is ask one another about your own lives. Ask, where have, ask each other, like, where have they seen your lives exhibit growth in love and growth in holiness? Be gentle, but yet frank in pointing out maybe pointing out the inconsistencies because all of us have that. But not to condemn, but to provide an opportunity to confess and to repent. And we can grow and renew in our walk in the Lord. 
But if you do, and if you do see a good in one another, point them out, not to flatter them, but also to give assurance that they are walking in the right direction. And the more we walk in the right direction, the more that we grow in love for one another, the more we can be assured that we are on the right track. So love comes from God. But in the second point, we see that not only that love comes from God, but this kind of love is hated by the world. And we see in verse 13, saying that when John commands, do not be surprised if the world hates you. And Peter told in a similar way not to be surprised by suffering. So we are not to be moved by the world's hatred. And we see this is a pattern in scripture. We see it in the ministry of Jesus where he was hated by the Pharisees when he healed a man on the Sabbath. We see Moses being thrust aside by his fellow um, Hebrews when he sought to defend the Hebrew slaves from an Egyptian taskmaster. Or we see Peter and John when, he w- when they healed a man and then the Pharisees arrested them and put them on trial for doing a good deed. That It seems absurd, but this is the case. Paul's word sums this up really well in his final instructions to Timothy. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So brothers and sisters, do not be surprised if you even when you try to love one another or try to live a godly life that you may be misunderstood or you may even be hated by others because of the good deed that you have done. But if you know in your heart and of others have other brothers and sisters know that you are walking in the right direction and yet you're being hated, this can, be a, this can give you clarity that you are walking on the right track because sometimes we need to, sometimes it takes like an opposite reaction to know that, like to make it a little clearer. John reassures his believers further in verse 14 to 15 by explaining that hatred in the world does not mean that they're on the wrong side, but rather they're on the right side. Like verse 14, he says from experience that we know that we have passed from death into life because we love the brothers. Love is a proof that we have crossed that divide. It is not, again, to, just to emphasize again that we earn our salvation by loving one another, but love is the fruit that we have crossed that divide, that we share in that new life with Christ. At my church, like my pastor has been training a few men as potential shepherds or, like, or as elders, and it was not because they lacked the quality to care for people, but rather they had shown that quality already before they were selected. And, that's, and the pastor, my pastor wanted to train these men for that service. And likewise, the fact that Christians love one another demonstrates that, that they have crossed that divide. But on the other hand, in verse 15, in verse 15 like those who hate their brothers it shows that they are in death, that they remain in death. Hatred is starkly equated to murdering, and we see that in Jesus' own word, that, that if anyone hates his brother, like, he is almost, is almost equated to like a murder, not saying that, that 
hate, hatred is equal to murder, but it comes from the same root. And God is not only concerned about just our actions, but about the heart. And so, one cannot be in the light if he hates his brother. So those who remain hating have no eternal life abiding in him. So, not, like, not to try to scare or try to make you doubt your own salvation, but it's good to test and to see in your own hearts, like whether, where do we see these roots grow? And whether it is hate or jealousy or envy or callousness in the heart, resist the devil and flee from him. And, and John reassures saying that elsewhere, if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, because Jesus is the propitiation of our sins, not for our sins only, but for the whole world as well. And if Paul was not beyond the reach of God's grace, neither are we. And so, so turn to him if you know that you have sinned and confess because he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Love is from God. Love is hated by the world. And lastly, love is demonstrated by Christ. And we see this very clearly in verse 16 when it says, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. God the Father is love. Christ, the incarnate God, the word that became flesh and dwelt, dwelt among us, is the embodiment of love. And this is the very reason why we celebrate Christmas, where the love of God was made manifest to us through the sending of his own son. It is not, and this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us first and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Because he loved, he is the savior of, from our sins. And because he loved, we have an example to follow him. He is our savior and our example. And we ought to love the brothers by laying down our lives. John cl further clarifies what this love looks like in verse 17. Love is not being unwilling to give what he has. We may have the world's goods, see a brother in need, yet to close our heart against him by not giving reveals that we do not have the love of God in us. It shows that we are devoid of God's own character. And in Deuteronomy 15, verse 7 to 10, it's, he makes a similar, which, like, there is one command that, that says that if one among you, one of your brothers, should become poor in any of your towns within your land that the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand against your poor brother, but you shall open your hand to him and lend him sufficient for his need, whatever it may be. And take care, lest there be an unworthy thought in your heart. You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall, be, shall not be grudging when you give to him, because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. If this was a command that God gave, if this was in God's own character, how much greater is this command for us too? Not that we are living under the 
under the, under the old covenant, but now we are under the new covenant where God himself commands us still to, as, his, as people who have been saved, to love one another and to even to do it in the most concrete and practical ways. Saying like, that we understand love in this way, like, it shows that like, if, if we do not love one another in a very concrete way, like, it is almost like, can be close to like, hating or murdering a brother because we fail to provide for their needs, even in the simplest way, ways. So John concludes with his exhortation not to love only in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Or as this old saying goes, practice what we preach. So let us strive to have what we believe be congruent with how we live. So let our lives and let what we believe be the same. And maybe one, maybe one way we can think about this is if there are those among you who want to obey the Lord, like, and though it may not be the best way, like whether it is like supporting for like a, like a whether, like a charity or some sort, like, not to immediately dismiss it, but to carefully and consider to think about how to obey. Like, I'll give you an example. There was one sister at my church who was very earnest in like supporting like a group called Urban Promise. Which, where this group, they want to help families overcome difficulties with poverty. And I have a sister who, this sister is very zealous and sometimes can be a little bit pushy when trying to like, convince people to do certain things or have a ha habit of voluntelling you to join. <laughs> so, when she, so when she asked me to come and help, I, I was caught a little off guard and was initially skeptical about like the project and hesitant to join. But I, I eventually like went and when I looked in hindsight, I was thankful that to, to join because I think this was something that my church believed it was good to support. So why wouldn't I try to like join in as well when they had taken some thought as well to support. And although I shared this with one of my colleagues about the about like this incident, like about just having having that um, internal struggle in my own heart. Although he kind of agreed that maybe how my the sister, how she approached me was not the the best way, yet she he was supportive of it in a way that because at least they're trying to obey the Lord, and maybe not in the most perfect way. And, I, and by saying this, I'm not saying that we should like, not take any discernment to like, who we support and how we should do it. I think what, I'm trying to, what I want to encourage and exhort is that if, if there are brothers and sisters among us that want to try to serve the Lord, maybe, and that to, to give an ear to listen and to see how we can like learn to obey the Lord together. The smallest steps of obedience no, and the smallest steps to love, no matter how small or seemingly insignificant it is, is always a good step. 
in my homiletics class, like Pastor Moeller taught, one thing that I remember that he taught us was that a true mark of a pastor is that they love his people. Whether we care and look out for the best interests of the flock is the heart of a shepherd. What Pastor Muller told me, I believe John extends this to every Christian. Love is the true mark of every believer. Whether you are young, whether you are old, whether like you are a new believer or, or one who have, have tread this path for a long time. Love is the true mark of a child of God. The world does not know this kind of love, but we do because God is love. And he has demonstrated it to us through Christ. So let us love one another in this way. Let us show that we are children of God by how we love one another. And one way that you, you are already doing it right now and is your support for TBS by financially giving, by praying, and even giving your own resources to support us. And so I, I thank you for that, and I encourage you to continue to do so and more. And may the Lord grant you everything that you need so that you may abound in love for one another. Thank you.